Good morning on this sunny day, and welcome to our guests. Please fill out the pew pads in the aisles so you can meet your neighbors afterwards, and you're welcome to join us for coffee, juice, and donuts in the fellowship hall after the service. I want to remind you that there are announcements in your bulletin for the sale of poinsettias, the upcoming ham dinner, and the heifer fair. And also, I'm told that 6th and 7th graders will meet in the chapel. And, and uh, there's a young woman who wants to talk about a craft fair. Please, please come forward. Good morning, everybody. I'm actually here on behalf of my sister, Yasmin. She uh, wasn't able to make it this morning, but she's working on her Girl Scout Gold Award. And for her Gold Award, she's been making crafts with inner-city children at a city uh, shelter. And um, she's currently running low on crafts, so she's uh, created a craft drive where she's asked for your gently used craft supplies, such as hot glue guns or glue sticks, construction paper, liquid glue glue sticks, pipe cleaners, Q-tips, cotton balls, paint, clothespins, buttons, and stickers, and scissors. And she uh, has placed a box in the fellowship hall by the poster board with the list of materials she requires. She just wanted me to say thank you, and if you have any questions, we'll be in the fellowship hall after church. Thank you. Any other announcements? Okay. And I want to remind you about uh, if your car is parked in a no parking spot, you should move it. There are no parking spots in Locust Avenue and, and the, uh, the roads around here. We will begin the service with the prelude.
Advent is a time of waiting and wondering. The Messiah is on the way. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Let us watch for Christ. Let us watch for the Messiah as we sniffle and pray for those who battle disease. Let us watch for Christ in the challenges to our cities. Let us watch for Christ in the doldrums of weary and worn people. Let us watch for Christ in our own troubled selves and souls. It was Jesus who said it, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. And so Let us worship God. There is a mighty question we ask when nations rage. Just when will be Christ's coming, the ending of the age? Take care, said Jesus clearly, for many will appear. 
They'll claim to be Messiah, yet people should not fear. Please join me in prayer. Faithful God, God, your promises stand unshaken through all generations. Renew us in hope that we may be awake and alert, watching for the glorious return of Jesus Christ, our Judge and Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. For in the days of Noah, the people went along in eating and drinking, in merriment and in song. And then suddenly the world changed with great surprising power. So too will it be in Christ's coming, and no one knows the hour. In prudence, let us not delay our faults and sins confess, and in this Advent journey might know God's holiness. Let us join together in the unison prayer of confession, praying. God of the future, you are coming in power to bring all nations under your rule. We confess that we have not expected your kingdom, for we live casual lives, ignoring your promised judgment. We accept lies as truth, exploit neighbors and abuse the earth, and refuse your justice and peace. In your mercy, forgive us. Grant us wisdom to welcome your way and to seek things that will endure when Christ comes to judge the world. Amen. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. God alone saves us. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. This is God's plan and intention for us and all the world. Thanks and praise be to God. seated friends. In this Advent season, we hear once again from the prophet Isaiah. I invite you to hear God's word to you. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. 
We've all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Look at that star. Why do we follow it? I don't know where it is going to take us. Do we expect it to come down to the ground and let us touch it? No, of course not. Stars reside in the heavens, out of reach, distant. Sometimes you need to trust that your next step will bring you closer to your goal. I believe the star is from God. So right or wrong, I trust that it leads me. The star that shone brightly led persons at night to the Bethlehem stable to man's strange light. 
They went bearing gifts in worship and love, praising God for God's wonders from heaven above. The wise men were kings and would kneel on the straw. It was the oddest of things that ever I saw. If kings take him treasure, then maybe you too can worship with pleasure the person of Jesus who came to us all. So worthy of praise, for he brings us God's call. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to God for healing from strife. Come unto me, all who, you who labor, and I'll give you the rest forever to savor. So when hope let follow the star and the light, till that time we gather together on Christmas night. Well, um, do you mind staying here for just a moment, O oh, wise sages of the East? <laughs> yeah. This is pretty interesting. Um, I don't think that people out there kind of know what's really happening, but I thought I would tell you, and because you know a lot more than they do, about the ribbons that you brought up. You brought those red ribbons up. And they have prayers written on the ribbons, prayers from people in this congregation. They are prayers of hope that have been laid at the manger today. And today we're going to begin this whole first Sunday of Advent. And you see, there are three wise men or kings over here by the window. You'll have to look for them every Sunday. They're going to be moving. Hopefully, they'll be moving closer to the manger. Usually in Advent, we start with something else other than wise men or kings who usually appear on Epiphany, but we've got a special plan. Now, some of you have gotten an Advent wreath. Did you get an Advent wreath? Dylan, did you get one? And, and you did, too. This is the one in which our Advent wreath is based. It's kind of a large wooden box, and uh, you open it, and the official time to open this, by the way, is tomorrow, because you start the Advent calendar on the first day of December. So December 1 is day 1, and you'll find a star. Now, I'm going to let the congregation know that I found this box and we open it every day. This is the second day. There's a camel. And this is kind of magnetic. I went looking for an advent calendar and to buy one. And I thought this would be the coolest thing. I'll get an advent calendar at the Lego store. A Lego advent calendar. And the clerk said that I could... She had one that she would sell me. It was a Star Wars advent calendar. And I said, I, I'd like to have one with, you know, Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the sheep. She said, who would want that? I, well, I would. And so I found this one at the Von Maher store. And I bought it. And then, Craig was so wonderful and helpful, he took a picture of the box. 
and then found a machine that would cut where the little doors open in a piece of paper. And then he took a picture of all of the things that go in the boxes and then put each one around the same way that these are and took a picture of that page and superimposed this page on that one so that all of the children in our church who have one of these will be able to open beginning on December 1 each of these doors and they will find the same things that we're finding here and then all of them are turned into stickers on the back and you can place the stickers here now uh, we've opened the first two we're not we'll open six of them because this is the one we'll open next Sunday Um, you want to take a look and see what's inside Rose you want to open one of these number three so we have a star and we have a camel and this one is going to be looks like one of the wise men doesn't it yeah it's a king so we'll put him on there we have a camel okay Dylan you want to open one what you got another king there's two kings go ahead Rachel this is day five. A, ca- a camel. Yeah. It probably came with camels. This one is a dromedary. I can tell it has one hump. Bactrian camels have two humps. And the way I learned that is if you put the letter B, which starts for Bactrian, over on its side, it has two humps for the letter B. And the word dromedary has one hump, so it's a one-hump camel. Yeah. <laughs> Biology 101. <laughs> And another camel. And I can only guess what's in this one, right? Probably. And that's something we'll probably get to next Sunday. But I thought that this would be fun to know that we were going to have this and we'll create our own scene using an Advent calendar as we kind of count down through the days to Christmas. And uh, the kings will probably be found marching, so each Sunday you can look for them. And today we have these kings. They started their journey long before the baby was born when they saw a star. star. Right. Well, I know that Craig is going to be meeting with those who want to gather with him in Fellowship Hall. And um, you can stay here with your costumes on if you want to and be with parents or you can head over to Fellowship Hall. Uh, uh, tell me, are those costumes warm or not so warm? They're really warm. They're really warm. <laughs> And, and I know you have to go and shave, right, Dylan? Yes, right. Yeah, you have to do that, which would be very nice. Uh, do, you have, do you have a razor? You, you need one? Yeah, probably. I wonder what the kings really did. Well, thank you so much for coming up. It was wonderful. Thank you.
The first lesson is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
So keep awake and watchful. Salvation is at hand. Our hope is in Christ Jesus, and by God's grace we stand. The night is almost over. We wait for God's new day, and through the Holy Spirit, we follow Jesus' way. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all. Keep awake. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I know that's not a great Advent hymn for a lot of you, but uh, it has memory for me. Uh, The church from which I came when I moved to Pittsburgh always started Advent with that hymn. And when we sang it, the trumpeters would appear, and the choir would gather in the back, and there would be a massive procession. And then part of the choir would go to the balcony, and part would remain in the front, and there was an antiphonal choir, and they sang a descant, and then the timpani were rolled in. And it was a glorious beginning for Advent. But not always do we have those memories. So we have different things that kind of jog us a little bit to help us figure out. Now the season is changing. This is the first Sunday in the Christian New Year. Robert Orban says that when he was in grade school, he was told if he wanted to get a good job, He had to graduate from high school. So he went to high school. And when he was in high school, he was told that to get a good job, he had to go to college. So he went to college. And when he was just about to graduate, he was told everybody had a bachelor's degree. And if he really wanted a very good job, he had to get a master's degree. So he got his master's degree. And then he was told that a master's degree would only take him so far, and he should get a doctoral degree. So he got his doctoral degree, and then he went looking for a job, and he was told that the company was looking for younger men. (laughs) Having the right credentials is important. Employers want to know that you've been to the right schools, that you've gotten a proper education, and as Robert Schuller was fond of saying, the tassel is worth the hassle. Of course, it's possible to overdo it. A witty limerick says it best. A girl at Bennington named Louise, weighed down with MAs and PhDs, collapsed from the strain, said her doctorate's plain, you're killing yourself by degrees. Having the right credentials is important. We need to acknowledge this. People without proper credentials have done untold harm. You wouldn't want to fly in a plane if the pilot didn't have the right credentials to fly it. Credentials are society's way of protecting itself from charlatans and incompetence. Maybe you remember the story of Billy Burke, very famous actress, While she was enjoying a transatlantic ocean trip, she noticed that a gentleman at the next table was suffering from a very bad cold. Are you comfortable? She asked it sympathetically, and he nodded. And then she said, I'll tell you what to do for it. Go back to your stateroom, drink lots of orange juice, take two aspirins, cover yourself with all the blankets you can find, Sweat the cold out. I know what I'm talking about. I'm Billy Burke from Hollywood, and who are you? And he turned to her and said, I'm Dr. Mayo from the Mayo Clinic. (laughs) Credentials protect us from charlatans and incompetence. We want to know that our pilot is licensed. 
also our doctor, our realtor, even our beautician. We want to know that our lawyer has been admitted to the bar and that pastors have been properly ordained. Credentials are important, right? Rod. Yeah, Rod is, Rod is here today. He's going to be teaching on the Pentateuch after the service, and we'll have a little coffee hour and so forth, but Rod's going to be upstairs, and he's doing that for about eight weeks all total, and last week was wonderful, by the way. St. Paul was continually establishing his credentials. It seems kind of absurd. More than anyone else, Paul was responsible for the spread of Christianity throughout the known world of his day. I mean, you know his story, how he persecuted Christians, but then he met Christ on the road to Damascus. I mean, we, we thought that today we should really focus on the credentialing that Paul has because he wrote so much of the New Testament. That's why Carrie read so wonderfully from 1 Corinthians for us. We ought to peer into that. You know why I wanted to do it? I have to admit it to you. Because this is far easier to do than to turn to the Gospel of Mark on the first Sunday of Advent. That's the truth. Mark's Gospel contains no birth narrative, which is his own commentary on the manger-mindedness of the season before Christmas. While we focus on Jesus' infancy as the least threatening form of his incarnation, Mark reminds us that his coming among us is not always quite so docile. By entering this new church year under a shower of stars falling from heaven, we're given a vision of God's beloved we may not rush to embrace but one that provides us with an antidote to the sentimentality of the season. Manger scenes will pop up all over. Christmas carols fill the airways. Actually, they've been filling the airways for the last two months. But here we're given a very different vision of the coming Lord. According to Mark, we can forget the stable, forget the star, and the shepherds keeping watch over the flock by night. When Mark looks into the sky, what he sees are cosmic fireworks, a darkened sun, a dim moon, stars falling from the sky like sparks from a sparkler. And there, in the center of the smoke, the Son of God coming in clouds with great power and glory. It is a vision of the end of time, the final coming of the Lord, when earth as we know it will become compost, For the world God has been trying to give us all along. And the text reminds us that we've refused the world for the most part. Like the prophets before him, Jesus spent his whole life describing it to us, but it turned out to be much more difficult than anybody imagined. It involved 
way too much togetherness for one thing, not just worshiping with other people, but actually living in community with them, making decisions together, pulling resources, holding each other accountable with no permission to leave certain people out because they were too brusque, too gushy, too left, too right. The way Jesus described it, it was a world in which nothing could be taken for granted. God could be anywhere and with anyone. If you went to sleep for even 15 minutes, you might miss the most important moment of your life. You might wake up to find God standing over you with suitcases in hand saying, Where were you when I arrived? The door was standing wide open, no lights on anywhere. I told you to watch out for me. Therefore, keep awake. Jesus says it. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. Here was a message for the somnolent to remain conscious. And what I say to you, I say to all, he said, keep awake. Keep awake. Now, there are words that bring joy to most every preacher. I have determined that worship is a win-win situation. Either one is amazingly challenged, theologically inspired, or you wake up delightfully refreshed. It is win-win on Sunday. Keep awake. I wake up at 3 in the morning, and I begin to think about all the awful things that are going to happen because I've failed to handle some other things properly. My house is going to burn down because I haven't checked the batteries and the smoke alarms. Did I remember to turn the burner off the stove after making tea last night? The government's going to get all my money when I die because I've been putting off an appointment with my estate planner. Did I remember to shut the car door? The battery is running down. Almost sounds like I can hear water running somewhere. So I can't sleep anymore. I got to go check the stove, make a note about estate planning, go to the garage, see if the car door is open, and check all the faucets, including the ones outside. The longer the list, the longer I stay awake. It's only when I surrender it all to God that I can slip into some blessed unconsciousness. So I tend to think of sleep as a good thing, not a bad thing. But I also know that sleepiness could work on people who are up against problems they do not want to face. So there is that kind of sleep, not a sign of trust, but of terrible fear. So terrible that the mind just shuts down. If you've ever had anesthesia before surgery, then you know how it goes. First there's the kind of static between the ears, then the eyelids begin to stick, then sleep comes, the world goes away, there is no pain, there are no dreams, there is only darkness and oblivion. There's another kind of sleepiness most know about, which is a result of boredom. 
You have a three-hour flight or a four-hour drive or a five-hour wait until someone comes to fix the washing machine. With so much time on your hands, it can lose its meaning. It's hard to say whether it passes slowly or quickly. It does both. It does neither. Even if you find other things to do while you wait, you know that you are still waiting for something you cannot make happen, for something you cannot rush, and the sheer monotony of all that helplessness can put you to sleep. That's why some offices have waiting rooms. None of us knows when the end will come. Not for us, for those we love, or for the church, or for the world. And the weight of all that unknowing can put us right to sleep because being asleep is a lot easier than being afraid or being bored or being helpless. Being asleep is easier than being alive, period. Only Jesus will not stand for it. In his commentary on the Gospel of Mark, Lamar Williamson tells the story of an eclipse in New England during which the state legislature panicked and several moved to adjourn. But one of them said, Mr. Speaker, if it is not the end of the world and we adjourn, we shall appear to be fools. If it is the end of the world... I should choose to be found doing my duty. I move you, sir, that candles be brought. For years, I used to watch Saturday Night Live, and I enjoyed its irreverence. It no longer happens, but they used to have a segment called Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Now, the deep thoughts consisted of nothing more than touchy-feely psychobabble that sounds pretty good, but actually makes no sense. I brought some examples. To me, it's a good idea, says Jack Hanley, to always carry two sacks of something when you walk around. That way, if anybody says, hey, can you give me a hand, you can say, sorry, got these sacks. Or... If a kid asks you where rain comes from, I think it's a cute thing to tell him God is crying. And if he asks why God is crying, another cute thing is to tell him probably because of something you did. (laughs) Now that is deep. Author John Haeckel says his three-year-old daughter looked at the calendar and asked him, Daddy, how many... Be good days until Christmas. Why would a three-year-old ask that? How many be good days? I wonder. Advent is a season for watching. But watching for what? Our children are watching for Santa, but how about us adults? The biblical answer is that we are watching for Christ's return. How should we feel about that? Apprehensive? Fearful? Should we be on our best behavior? 
In some parts of our country, there are bumper stickers that read like this, Jesus is coming back, and boy, is he mad. But the gospel writer is not this kind of fellow. He does not want to frighten people into the kingdom as much as he does not want them to miss a good thing when it comes. We are to struggle to know the difference. Every good psychologist knows virtue based on fear of punishment will not last. Right? Two boys spent a delightful afternoon just outside of town. They gathered up the nuts beneath a huge walnut tree. It was uh, on the edge of the cemetery. And when they were done, they began to sit down under the tree out of sight of the road. They divided up the walnuts. uh, One for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. They divided up the nuts. There were so many that some fell out of the sack and rolled down the hill and ended up next to the cemetery fence. It was a kind of a stone hedgerow. And one of the boys said, we'll get those later. Young girl came cycling down the road outside the cemetery, and as she got near, she could hear these voices. And she stopped and listened. One for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. And she shuddered and imagined the awful truth. God and Satan must be dividing the souls at the cemetery. She cycled back to town as fast as she could, found a man hobbling a bit as he walked on the same road, and leaning heavily on his cane with each step, she kind of interrupted him, and she said, you've got to come. You won't believe what I heard. God and Satan are down at the cemetery. They're dividing the souls. Calm down. I'm finding it hard enough to walk as it is. She kept pleading. He hobbled back with her to the cemetery, and when they got to the fence, they quietly heard, one for you, one for me, one for you. And the old man whispered, my goodness, gal, you're telling me the truth. Let's get closer to see if we can see them. They shivered with fear. They got as close as the wall would allow, and they peered through the fence, but they couldn't see a thing. The two of them clung to each other, one for you, one for me. Then after about a minute, they heard, one for you, one for me. Okay, that's all. Let's go get those nuts now by the fence. (laughs) And the boys found a cane lying on the ground. And that old man beat the girl back to, to town. Fear. What a great motivator. Maybe comparisons will help. Santa lives at the North Pole. Jesus is everywhere. Santa comes once a year. Jesus is an ever-present help. Santa fills your stockings with goodies. Jesus supplies all your need. Santa comes down the chimney. 
Jesus stands at your door and knocks and then tries to enter your heart. You have to wait in line to see Santa. Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. Santa usually doesn't know your name. All we can say is, hi, little girl. Hi, little boy. What's your name? Jesus knew our names before we did. He knows our history and our future and the number of hairs on our heads. Santa says, you better not cry. Jesus says, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. Santa's helpers make toys. Jesus makes new lives, men's wounded hearts, and repairs broken homes. Santa can make you chuckle. And Jesus can give you joy that will become your strength. Santa puts gifts under your tree. Jesus became our gift and died on a tree. We reflect on who Christmas is all about. Jesus is better than Santa. And I suggest we watch joyfully for Christ's coming because you won't want to miss it, will you? Giving thanks to God for his creative prodding to wait and watch expectantly, let us return to God our first gifts, using this offertory prayer as a dedication. Please pray with me. Mighty God, we awaken to your working in the world to transform your creation according to your holy purposes. We bring our offerings of money, time, talent, and energy as sign of our devotion and of our participation in the coming of the kingdom of Jesus in fullness among us. Receive and bless our gifts. Use them and us as that rough places might be made smooth and the uneven places more comfortable for all. Use them to prepare for your coming. Amen.
We have a number of lovely prayers, including those that were written by this congregation. Healing spiritually and emotionally. Hope for our nation. Hope for God to always be with us, Emmanuel. God is our strength and our hope. Hope for those battling cancer and new diagnoses. Hope for God being our strength that helps defeat and conquer doubt. Prayers that you have written beautifully, beautifully and wonderfully said. We also have lovely flowers from the Cornfield family. Lori joined us last week, and these are in remembrance of her grandfather who passed away a year ago today. We give thanks and praise for your beauty and for that love. We also give thanks and praise for the fact that we don't have to be the frozen chosen. Did you know that? Presbyterians have this bum rap. We're not always the frozen chosen. And to prove it, friends, if you want to come Zumba, you can. There's a flyer in your bulletin. Classes will start in January, just in time after the holidays to get you moving Saturdays at 9 a.m. for 10 weeks. Take a look at the details. Two Presbyterians will be teaching us, Melanie and Amy. Amy from Third Pres and Melanie from Brockport. And you can contact Melanie to sign up if you're interested. We also give thanks and praise for the ways that God collects us into the kingdom and gives thanks for our lives. We join with Barbara and Bill Smith in mourning the loss of Barbara's mother, who passed away on Wednesday, and whose memorial service will be held on the 5th of December at 11 a.m. at the United Church in Phelps, New York, which is her home. We also give thanks and praise for the life of Mark Kindig, who passed away a little more than a week ago in Florida, and his memorial service will be here on December 6th at 10 a.m. We also are thankful for merchants in our community. Pittsford Candlelight Night will be this Tuesday, and Bruce Frank will be here playing in our sanctuary. The American Guild of Organists is sponsoring concerts here and at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, so start here at 6.30 on Tuesday, and then you can wander over to St. Paul's and hear an ensemble there as well. And we also are in prayer for all those touched by the decision in Ferguson. May there be an opportunity for all of us to hear of God's reconciliation and hope. Please join me in prayer, friends. O God, who reveals yourself in the beauty of those waning days of autumn, and who will still be with us in these anticipatory days of Advent, we rejoice in your hopeful promise to us of restoration. We can pray with all confidence that through Christ you hear us. You fill our days with the presence of your Holy Spirit. We receive guidance for the decisions we must make. Waking or sleeping, we are enfolded with your protection. You bid us to watch for signs of your reign. Open our eyes to behold your presence in all parts of our lives. Keep us from putting you on the fringe of existence, from turning to you when only we are in need. Keep us forever aware that you accompany us in all our journeys. Help us to make you preeminent in all that we do. Let others see in us the first fruits of goodness and mercy, and they themselves brought to know you through deeds of goodwill. You tell us through Christ to be ready, since we know not when the hour will come. Keep us from putting off until another time the discipline that will make us better disciples. Make us willing to break our comfortable routines and dare to start ventures that will test our obedience. Surround us with those who have made a similar commitment so that they may teach us. 
Help us to seek their assistance and to learn of their ways. You send us out to be about our tasks. Go before us to guide us and stay behind us to prod us. Live within us as God who fashions our being, as Christ who keeps us from falling, and as the Holy Spirit in whose name we can do all things. We pray this all through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our charge today is one we can share. Be ready in your living for when you feed the poor or give to thirsty children the water they long for. And when you welcome strangers and help the ones in need, Christ said, Receive my kingdom, for you are serving me. Though heaven and earth will pass away, your word will still be true. And on that glorious day, we'll be secure in you. And then at history's close, when all that's past shall end, the Christ who judges us will be our constant friend. In Advent hope we share the life you're bringing forth. We give love to heal old wounds and work to heal the earth. A new day is coming here with no more death or pain. Till then we'll serve you here and welcome in your life. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today 
and in the life everlasting. Amen.